You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Friday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. It'll be our typical Friday routine today. We'll start with leftover thoughts. Then we'll talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills about the injury situation. And then I'll close out the podcast with my predictions for Sunday. Now, real quick, we do have tailgate talk for you this week. On Saturday, I'll be joined by Aaron Quinn of Cover One for what I think will be a great discussion for you to listen to. Aaron and I are going to talk about tailgating. We're going to talk about Bills and Falcons and also some of the lessons we've learned from watching the Bills last year, working through the offseason and seeing the team this year. And so that's going to be a great conversation. Don't miss it tomorrow. Tailgate talk. It'll be in your podcast feed as soon as midnight hits on Saturday. So you'll have that at your disposal over the weekend to get you to kickoff on Sunday. Now let's start with my leftover thoughts. I have three different things that I want to talk about. First of all, the Bills received even more great news on Thursday. Cody Ford and Cam Lewis, they were activated from the COVID list. And so on Wednesday, AJ Epinesa, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and John Feliciano were activated. And so as of the recording of this podcast on Thursday afternoon, the Buffalo Bills have no active COVID cases among their players. That is great news. Now, things change quick. We know that. So at any point, we can learn of a new COVID issue on the team, and there could be multiple COVID issues. But as of the recording of this podcast, there are none, and that is great news. I do want to get into a question that was asked of me in one of my Twitter DMs that I think is pretty relevant regarding the status of the AFC East because right now there are three playoff teams in the AFC East. If the season ended today, the Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins are in. And that means that they all control their own destiny as of now. There's a reasonable chance that the AFC East puts three teams in the playoffs. And so I had a question that reads, hey, Joe, an idea for Friday. The AFC East has three playoff teams right now. Would love to highlight that we are 4-1 and one in a strong division and to know what the AFC East record is outside of our division. So, yes, the Bills in a good division that currently has three playoff teams, they're 4-1. and one. And if they beat the Jets next week, the Bills will have a 5-1 and one record in the division. A year after going 6-0 and in the division, they have a very good chance of going 5-1. and And to me, that is significant. Your division opponents, your division rivals, are the teams that know you the best. You have the most common opponents. You game plan for each other twice. And there's just a lot of familiarity. And for you to go 11-1 across two seasons under those circumstances That's extremely impressive. That says a lot about the coaching staff and game planning ability of Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, 
and Heath Farwell and Leslie Frazier. I mean, that is a phenomenal run. Very rare. And so it is significant that the Bills have had so much success within the division. Good chance of being back-to-back AFC East champions. Now, there's still work to do, but that's very much within the reach of this football team. Now, when it comes to the records of the division outside of the division, it may not be as glamorous as you think. So let's work through it. We'll talk about the Bills, Patriots, and Dolphins. The Jets, they're, uh, they got some work to do. So the Bills, the AFC East leading Buffalo Bills, who are the number four seed currently in the AFC playoffs, have an overall record of 9-6, and six, and they're 5-5 five and five outside of the AFC East. So 4-1 and one in division games, 5-5 five and five outside of the division. And so the Bills' ability to beat the teams in their division has been a major benefit to their overall record. In second place, the New England Patriots, they're the number six seed in the AFC playoffs. They have a 9-6 and six record, and their record outside the division is 6-4. and four. And they have one more division game left. They face the Dolphins in Week 18. In third place, it's the Miami Dolphins. They are the number seven seed right now in the AFC playoffs. They have an overall record of eight and seven and a record outside the division of five and five. And so the Dolphins, their overall record is hurt because they got swept by the Bills. They went 0-2 in those games, and then they were able to beat the Patriots in week one, and then, of course, they swept the Jets. Now, they have one more game against New England, as I mentioned, in week 18, and that's a big game because it could be very much a win-and-in situation for both teams. So the AFC East is faring well this year, and there's a reasonable chance that three teams from the division are in the playoffs. Now, speaking of the playoffs, there are clinching scenarios for the Bills this weekend. Now, the Bills cannot clinch the AFC East this week, even if they win and the Patriots lose. But as we know, if the Bills beat the Falcons on Sunday and beat the Jets at home the following Sunday, they are AFC East champions. Now, there are clinching scenarios for the Bills to earn a playoff berth this weekend, and they're not all that crazy. The most simple path is the Bills win, they beat Atlanta, and the Ravens lose. And the Ravens host the Los Angeles Rams, who have won four in a row, and they're playing good football right now. The Ravens are not playing good football right now. They've lost four in a row. And Lamar Jackson's status is very much up in the air, and that team is injured. I mean, very injured, probably the most injured team in the NFL. And so it is not outside of the realm of possibilities that the Rams could come to Baltimore and win that football game. If that happens, if the Rams beat the Ravens and the Bills beat the Falcons, the Bills have punched their ticket to the postseason. There's another very practical scenario. Of course, a Bills win over Atlanta and the Chargers and Raiders lose. The Chargers host the Broncos. The Raiders play in Indianapolis. And so those are the most likely scenarios, the most logical, easy to discuss scenarios for the Bills to punch their ticket to the postseason this week. But obviously, our sights are set on beating Atlanta, beating the Jets, and being AFC East champions. 
The last thing that I want to get into in leftover thoughts is the left guard situation, because as we talked about at the beginning of this segment, Cody Ford, he's activated. John Feliciano, he's activated. Oh, by the way, Ryan Bates played great last week. And so the Bills have options at left guard. Ryan Bates, Cody Ford, John Feliciano. Now, John Feliciano is the highest paid player. He's paid as if he's going to start. But John Feliciano has also not played an offensive snap since Halloween. You going to put him back out there, having just come back to the team off the COVID list with minimal practice after we know he had a tough bout where he even went to the ER? Is his conditioning going to be right to play in the game? Cody Ford, we know the inconsistencies there. And then there's Ryan Bates, who's the player that's coming off of a good game that admitted that he's most comfortable on the left side in his press conference this week. And that's where you need to put in a player at left guard. To me, that's the easy choice because we know what the capability of this offensive line is with John Feliciano and Cody Ford. We've seen a lot of those players and we've seen those players at their best. And do you really think either player is positioned well to be at their best on Sunday? I don't think so. And so for me, it's Ryan Bates who has an opportunity here to claim that role for the rest of the season. And that starts this week in building up some chemistry with Mitch Morris and Deion Dawkins, who will be playing on either side of him. And see if this can't be your best group moving forward. John Feliciano is your versatile interior backup that can play both guard spots and center. And then Cody Ford's your break glass in case of emergency option for either guard spot and you're set. To me, this is a clear decision. Obviously, I don't have all the information. I haven't been around these players. I don't know everything there is to know about their current status and their ability to get through a game, but I like what I saw from Ryan Bates. And I'm interested in seeing more. And for that reason, he would be my choice for the Bills at left guard on Sunday. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. You want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they have great nutrition facts. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They are healthy for you. They taste delicious, and they help you eat healthy. And they have so many great flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what is new. And, of course, I have a deal for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
I'm joined now by Kyle Trimble. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He runs bangeduppills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bangeduppills. He joins us each week to get us ready for the upcoming Bills game from an injury perspective. And Kyle, this report is very, very interesting. We're going to work through it in ways that we typically don't this time around. But I do want to start with Ike Bucker, the Bills' left guard has really been the primary starter over the last two seasons on a very good offense, ruptured Achilles. And so maybe you can offer some quick insight on what the road ahead is for Bucker, who is unfortunately an expiring contract. It was a real shame to see what happened with Bucker. Uh, when I was watching this on film, the initial thing was, is this a hamstring or is it a calf? Because he went down and was hopping on his right leg briefly before he fell down. And then you see the replay, you see them rule him quickly out. And then apparently news up in the press box or something like it was very immediate that they knew that it was Achilles tear and on field testing uh, shows that pretty much immediately. Then they do imaging to confirm that, but it was pretty apparent on film. Once you saw that uh, what happened was Botker had been pushed back. He tried driving forward to catch up with the play, playing it through his left foot. And so his body weight was way over his foot. His foot was in, I would say near full dorsiflexion. And so the, the tendon was being lengthened while he was trying to attract it. And that's where the uh, tendon snapped. And that's where you get the rupture at. And he knew, I'm sure immediately that something was going on because Josh Allen came over to him and uh, they knew right away that they ruled about that quickly. Uh, his timeline is looking anywhere from six to nine months, probably closer to that nine month range with regards to recovery. This is just a tough injury to come back from because there's just so much power that is derived from the calf region in terms of you know jumping and running and just everything that we do in our day to day lives. So it's really unfortunate that he suffered this injury. And with being an offensive lineman, you're pushing against an equally large object and trying to push them around and prevent them from coming through those holes. It's just, it's not going to be easy recovery. One thing he does have going for him. And this is, I guess, a double-edged sword is that he suffered this before in his senior year at Iowa, he suffered a right Achilles injury and he came back from that. That was probably the primary reason why he wasn't drafted, but that might've been in his best interest because he could choose where he wanted to go. And he's been on the development track with the bills. So, it's a rough injury. He's probably getting surgery this week, if not next week, depending on what the, sur the surgeon's schedule is. But he's going to be working hard. I want to say that the Bills will bring him back because they've put so much investment in him. But he's at one of those guys that's probably 52nd, 53rd guys where, hey, do we want to continue trying to put the work in? No, he's not going to be 100% through 2022, or do we move on from him? And I want to see him come back, but it's going to be just – up to see how they're doing with the rehab and where he's at. But uh, really unfortunate injury, but, but such as injuries in general. Um, and obviously, you know, the Bills have an affinity for the Iowa guys, and they have a lot of time invested in this player and offers versatility. So we'll see there. And I know that some positions in the NFL are just very difficult for guys to come back from when it comes to an Achilles injury, running back being one of them, where there's really not a lot of success stories there. All the best for Ike Bakker on the and the road ahead for him. Now let's work through this injury report. It is as random as we've ever seen it. You and I have been having these conversations for like 
I don't know, was going on three years just talking through these injury reports. And you and I got together to to really plan and we're like, man, this is random and weird. And so there's nothing that is overly eye-popping, but there's just a lot to work through. And so what we're going to do today is work through the list in alphabetical order. We'll start with Mario Addison and get through Jaquan Johnson. Then we'll kind of reset the deck and go through Taiwan Jones through Devin Singletary. So Kyle, take it away here. Walk us through this report, starting with Addison and, and uh, finish up with, with Johnson on this first run. Okay. So Addison, he shows up with vet rest, which we see often with him uh, most Wednesdays. And then on Thursday, he showed up with a forearm injury. I'm not sure what to make of that. I wouldn't be surprised if his a lot of parts of his body are hurting because considering the position he plays, but I don't know where this forearm injury came from. I'd have to go back and look at the film. The tough part with that is he only played in, I believe it was 50% of the snaps. So you can look to see where maybe he was playing, but he's engaging with his block so often. It's hard to say what would have caused the injury, but I would hope that if it's just a contusion, um, something along those lines that they could put some padding on it and have him get through that. But there's not a whole lot to take from that injury. And right now I'm not too concerned unless they give him a game day designation. Uh, moving down the list, uh, we got uh, Micah Hyde also dealing with a forearm injury. He played in hundred percent of his snaps on uh, Sunday. I didn't see where he required any attention from the trainers. He's a guy who's very physical and secondary. He plays very well in that. He's going to be available uh, most more often than not. So I'm not too concerned with him, but he's another one that might require some padding on the area. Hopefully it's nothing too significant, but I feel like if it was anything serious, we would see more kind of fracture or there would be do not participates with them. But Hyde was practicing full Wednesday and Thursday. I also expect that for Friday. And then moving into Jaquan Johnson, he had illness. He had did not participate and then was full on Thursday, which is a good sign in case for some reason Hyde has an aggravation of his forearm injury or poor, which we'll get to shortly. Um, the concern with the illness is we see the guys start off with illness. And then a few days later, they go on the COVID list and we've seen that happen with just, it seems like a normal cold and that progresses that. So hopefully he stays illness and he recovers and there's no issues with that come Sunday. Yeah. So Jaquan Johnson didn't practice Wednesday with illness. He did practice in full on Thursday, but Vernon Butler has not practiced all week to this point with an illness. So something to monitor there. And then we do have some more guys to get to. Taiwan Jones, knee injury, did not practice on Thursday. We know we know that doesn't often mean anything with Taiwan Jones, but I'll defer to you here in just a moment. Ed Oliver, limited Wednesday and Thursday with an ankle. Jordan Poyer, shoulder injury, full on Wednesday, down to limited on Thursday. Emmanuel Sanders, knee injury, limited Wednesday, did not practice Thursday. And then Devin Singletary has practiced all week, but they do designate an ankle injury for him. So I'll let you work through those and give us your thoughts. So Jones, he's been dealing with a knee injury since Tampa Bay. It seemed like he was either MCL sprain or some type of contusion. He's been wearing brace on the area and he was looking a little iffy the next game after the Tampa Bay game, but it seemed like he's been kind of bouncing back. He's been taking the approach of not practicing during the week and then getting to practice in on Friday and then playing on Sundays. I believe that that's the approach for him moving forward with this. They had a walkthrough practice on Wednesday and then the actual practice on Thursday. So I believe that's where just more of a 
maintenance day for him, not necessarily veteran rest day because they designate that as such, but we see that where let's not get you out there. Let's make sure you're ready to go for Sunday. So unless he's do not participate on Friday, uh, which uh, I don't believe that's going to be the case, he should be good to go for Sunday. And like we've talked about before, it takes a lot for him to sit out of the game. Ed Oliver, he, he seemed like he played in most of his normal snaps. He was tended to by the trainers with what appeared to be a forearm elbow injury on the right side early in the game. He came right back in. There isn't much of a idea what's going on with his ankle injury. He did have one last year in the wild, before the wild card game against Colts, but I don't believe there's correlation there. I just bring that up just because I look for that kind of stuff. So I'm not too concerned about that unless something drastically changes with him. Uh, Jordan Poyer went from full and a walkthrough practice down to limited. I believe that that was most likely just to reduce the hits on him. He was seen in a non-contact jersey, uh, being the red jersey on Thursday. I'm not too concerned about him because he had played in 100% of his snaps. He did deal with a shoulder injury in practice prior to week night against Jacksonville. I don't recall if his snaps were affected by that injury. I also don't know whether this is correlated with uh, if there's any any um, connection between that injury and this one, but it's a long season. There could be. Sanders went from limited to do not participate. We were talking before we went on. Sanders has a history of having a veteran rest day on Thursdays, so they might have tied in his uh, knee injury and a veteran rest day. They'll usually, once again, they designate the two, but he is working through an injury. So they can kind of use one and the same there. I'm not too concerned about Sanders, especially with the return of uh, Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley. And then they also have Isaiah McKenzie step up. So the Falcons, I'm not too concerned about with regards to if Sanders has to sit this one out, but he looked really good last week. And then Singletary rolled his ankle um, on a play, I believe early in the third quarter. He bounced right back after some tape. I'm sure he's doing some pain, but I don't believe it will really affect him too much come Sunday. A lot of different situations going on. It will be important for you to look at this final report on Friday and see what type of game designations there are. But we certainly appreciate everything that you offered here to uh, help get us in the right mindset to to understand what's going on with these situations and uh, what could be in store for Sunday. So, Kyle, happy new year to you, and thank you for sharing your expertise. Thank you, Joe. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and bet online is where the game starts. All right, folks, it is prediction time. I have five of them for you this week. Number one, I am predicting a sack for Ed Oliver. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him to be a big time difference maker on Sunday afternoon, as he will primarily be facing their left guard, Jalen Mayfield, a rookie out of Michigan, a talented young player, but one who has been highly inconsistent. So far this season, he has conceded 10 sacks and 52 pressures. 
Ed Oliver's got to be licking his chops. Oliver had his first full sack of the season last week against New England. I think he gets number two against Atlanta. Obviously, Matt Ryan, not the most fleet of foot quarterback. And pressure in his face is going to be difficult to avoid, especially if it's someone with the athletic ability of an Ed Oliver. So I think he gets another sack on Sunday. I think Ed Oliver's having a very good year, his best season of his career. Maybe not statistically, but the impact he's making on football games. And I think the sack production shows up again this week. He gets Matt Ryan on the ground. Number two, speaking of Matt Ryan, I predict under 200 passing yards on Sunday for him. In fact, this is pretty crazy. He has gone seven games in a row without passing for over 300 yards. And that's like the first time that's happened since 2010. Well, I certainly don't think he comes anywhere near 300 passing yards. In fact, I am predicting him to have under 200 passing yards. I just don't think that Atlanta has the weapons in the passing game or the offensive line to hold up to really take advantage of any spacing that will be available in the Bills secondary. We're talking about a game that could have some snow, that could have some wind, and Matt Ryan, not the most physically gifted quarterback. Now, he's been a very productive quarterback throwing the football throughout his career. Like I mentioned on the primer, he's among the top 10 most productive passers in terms of yards in the history of the NFL. But I'm not sure that this is going to be the great opportunity for him to really pile on to those statistics and and carve up this Bills defense and get a bunch of yards. So I think it'll be less than 200 yards passing for Matt Ryan on Sunday. Number three, I am predicting a combined 10-plus receptions from Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie. This is the type of game where I think the Bills can really utilize their slot receivers and have some production. The Falcons typically play Richie Grant in the slot. He's on the COVID list, and I don't like the options behind him. They're probably going to have to play Kendall Sheffield in this game, and they're going to be undermanned at cornerback outside of A.J. Terrell. Their CB2, Fabian Moreau, also uh, questionable for this game. I'm not sure if he's going to be available. And so I think this is a game where Josh Allen will really rely on Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie, and they will combine to have at least 10 receptions on Sunday afternoon. Number four, I predict that Josh Allen will have five or less rushing attempts. I don't think this is going to be the type of game where Josh Allen really taps into his legs. I think this is a game where the Bills can hold up with their offensive line and he can really focus on distributing the football to his weapons. And so predictively, I just don't think that they will want to really get Josh Allen running. It's going to be cold. And I'm not sure that he'll need to really tap into that running ability to beat Atlanta. They should be able to do it with traditional runs and obviously throwing the ball with Josh Allen to his weapons. And so I think five or less rushing attempts from 17 on Sunday. And then lastly, I do think that the Bills win this football game. It's a challenging script to find for Atlanta to come to Orchard Park and win. They will have to play above their capability and they'll probably need some help from the Bills. And so that's a tough recipe against a Buffalo Bills team that we all believe is playing their best football right now. And the last 10 quarters that we saw from the Bills are arguably the best 10 quarters they've played all year. And so the Bills will look to keep this momentum going. They know what's at stake. They want to win the AFC East. 
They obviously want to go to the playoffs. And so I think this is an opportunity for them to take care of their business at home against a team that they can overmatch in a number of ways. That is a bad matchup for them. I think the Bills get a W on Sunday afternoon. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast, but not this week on the podcast. As I said in the open, Aaron Quinn from Cover One, he'll join me for Tailgate Talk tomorrow. It'll be a fun conversation. I always enjoy catching up with Aaron. He provokes a lot of good thoughts in my mind, and so I think it'll be an overall good discussion. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great Friday, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.